Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever and whenever you may be listening to this. I am your host, Matthew McLaughlin, with Noah Broderick. We're going to be giving you our big takes on this upcoming weekend of college football and NFL action. Huge playoff implications for both uh, both levels of football as we have some big conference championship games coming up in the college football world. And then this weekend, we have some, some good NFL games for the most part. Some of the slate is looking absolutely terrible, but we're still going to give our picks. Uh, it just may be amount of how much coverage we give because some of these games look like absolute locks. But good, good show looking ahead. Uh, and we're just going to jump right into it with the college football world. Uh, tonight, we are recording this on Friday. Tonight, uh, we have... Uh, Conference championship, the Pac-12, Oregon versus number 13, USC at 8 p.m. kickoff. USC is actually replacing University of Washington, who was supposed to be in this game originally. But due to COVID issues, like always, uh, USC will be taking University of Washington's place. Uh, Oregon has been eh. They've lost a couple of tough games. The Pac-12 has been limited schedule-wise. Uh, and USC is just firing on all cylinders. Uh, my pick is the Trojans. I think that they're going to win this game pretty easily, and it'll be a pretty lopsided score. Noah, how do you see this game going? Dude, I, I don't even I'll, – I'll get into the game in a second. We have to talk about Pat McAfee's show, don't we? I thought you wanted to oh. leave with that. Oh, do we? We can if we want. So, for uh, for those who may not have seen on our social media outlets uh, – I was I called into the Pat McAfee show a few times this week, and at first I was pretty much trying not to shit my pants, and uh, got the word out about the podcast. He said he would listen to it. Um, if he does listen to it, I'm very happy. Uh, like I said in, on my second call, he would be a dream interview of mine. And then I called the third time, which <laughs> I didn't post about, and I didn't even get through because Pat was like, "Yeah." Sorry, bub, but like I talked to you yesterday, which I totally understand. And I I honestly have questions when I go into these calls. Like I do have questions loaded. It just gets a little sidetracked. So I get what he's saying. And uh, but yeah, it was wild. Uh, like I said, I wasn't I was trying so hard to like not like be crazy and be a crazy ass fan or whatever and just freak the fuck out. But I saw some of the comments, they're pretty funny. It was like uh <laughs> When kid, someone said, uh, Matt sounds like the friend who's in in school who's always trying to find a new friend or something like that or some <laughs> stupid. And some of the comments were really good. And uh, it was enjoyable and definitely a memorable moment for me. Uh, and it was absolutely wild. And, you know, got to spread the pod somehow. And I wasn't going to be just sit around and wait. Might as well try and call in, see if I could at least get some airtime. And thankfully, he took my call. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, nah, man, I think that was really cool. I mean, I told my friends about it, too, and uh, obviously I, I got the chance to listen to it after you posted it on the podcast accounts and sent it to me and all that stuff. But um, you actually called Chris Russo, too. You didn't bring that up. Hey, well, you got to be, be hustling, you know? It's a little, a little life flex on them. You can't be, you know, it's just a hustle. I'd be hustling out here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, my, da- my dad listens to Russo all the time. And he was listening to him on his um on his run, you know, he he does like his daily runs and workouts and all that stuff. 
and he comes up and he said, hey, is this your friend? Is this the one you do the podcast with, Matt and Philly? And he plays the call, and I'm like, holy shit, it's actually you. So I, I, we listen to Russo all the time, too, so you're making your rounds on Sirius XM blogging the pod, but I know you said <laughs> the, the listens went up quite a bit, and I saw, I went on the Apple podcast and saw some of the reviews, and obviously mostly good feedback and everything, and so we've got new listeners from that. Good job, Matt, by doing it, and uh, we hope you guys stick Bro, with my, us. So, yeah. My hands were like the first time my hands were actually shaking. Like I was actually freaking, freaking out a little bit. And, you know, I, I don't want to be, I would like to be very clear. I don't, if Pat McAfee will listen to this at some point, I am not intentionally using your show to plug my podcast. I am not doing that. I am actually just trying to actually talk to him about well, you sports topics. Him, you, got, you got to call him next week and just be Matt in Philly and don't even bring up the pod. No, no, because now he now he knows me. Now he knows me as Matt from Philly. So he's like not even I'm going to lay low. Hey, new marketing strategy. Lay low a couple of weeks. Wait until the new year rolls around. And then I hop back on and see how it goes, because I'm not I I already I already I already overstayed my welcome this week. And, you know, it happens. But hey, you live and learn. And it wasn't like he was being a dick. He was just like, I'll talk to you another time. And I was like, all right nothing crazy nothing really uh nothing too dickish and he's a good guy so i'm not not freaking out about that but i, I did overstay my welcome i will admit that <laughs> i did overstay my welcome a little bit on the show but uh all right so that's it we got all of our advertising and marketing out of the way now we can now we can get on to the college football world yeah yeah so you're we we're talking about cincinnati and tulsa and why cincinnati dropped in the in, in the standings no First, we're going to go to Pac-12 because that game kicks off tonight. So I wanted to get that game out of the way. Oh, okay. All right, so what game you, was it again? I honestly you, forgot what you said. Oregon, Oregon versus USC. Uh, right, right, US, right, right. Yeah, USC is ranked number it. third. Yeah, okay. How yeah, do you think, no, how think, think this – I think USC is going to win. I, I mean, it's only a three-point spread, which is kind of confusing to me. Oregon's three and two. USC's five and oh. USC's obviously had an easier schedule, but they had that win against UCLA last week. That was pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. I just I think USC is going to win it. I would definitely, definitely, definitely bet the over in this game. I don't know what it is, but I would definitely bet the over. And I don't think you're going to get any defense in it. Uh, I mean, Oregon's defense played very well against Cal. Only let up 21 points, but I agree with. Oh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is Cal, but still, the the Pac-12 has just been so strange. Only playing like six to seven games before the conference championship for most teams. Some teams didn't even get – only got like five games in. And I think with this Oregon team, they they started off hot winning three straight, and then they lost to Oregon State and Cal, and then their game against Washington was canceled. So I think this is a team that is very – it's too inconsistent, and with the limited games that they've had, I'm not willing to put my trust into this Duck squad. So I'm going to go with USC. I agree with you. I think Keaton Slavis is going to have a huge game. I agree with you that the over is definitely going to hit. Um, but I think at this point, USC's got this locked up, and it's just a matter of will they crack the top 10, maybe even top 12 with a win. I don't see them jumping all of a sudden making a jump into, like, the top five. I think that's way too unrealistic at this point. But overall, this will be a fun game to watch and some Friday night action. That'll be good. And, uh, you know, I think Keaton Slavis, it's a matter of will he, will he go to the draft? Will he stay? And it's going to be interesting to see what that happens with that USC quarterback position. 
but nonetheless, we both we're both picking USC. So let's Dude, move I gotta on. be honest though. I'm working tonight and I'll probably be off at nine. And if I'm if I'm gonna be in tonight, I'm probably watching Heat Raptors preseason action instead of that. Why that's kind of just how I am, man. Got the James Harden. You're gonna watch flowing. you're gonna watch you're gonna watch the Kentucky Raptors or the Florida Raptors, wherever the hell they're playing. You're gonna, gonna watch Tyler Hero's last game in Miami. Bro, I cannot I'm not I'm not gonna say that. People need to like minimize like lower their expectations for like Tyler Hero this season at least. Oh yeah, we're I, gonna I, get I, into I, the I, NBA, but like the the sophomore slump is a real thing, and I think people need to realize that. But that's we're we're gonna talk about that uh, later. Uh, I can't believe I you're gonna know, you're gonna watch the Florida rap. You're gonna watch the Tampa Bay Raptors against fucking uh, Miami Heat preseason in a game that doesn't matter. Your hero okay. was like seventeen five and four in the playoffs, and he was we're gonna, six and five the other day. I don't know. Don't this is a, this is a on. football. We're talking. We're talking football today, okay? All right. Football. Fine. That's uh, your mistake, but it's it's, it's your life. It's your life. It's your mistake. But um, so yeah, we we're gonna get that first game out of the way, and now we're gonna look at uh, the college football rankings reactions predictions whatever the college football committee kirk herbstreet summed it up pretty nicely he was like our postseason is as bad as it gets uh a lot of questions cincinnati fell down a spot they're eight and oh they their last game of the season against tulsa of the regular season before their conference championship against tulsa uh tomorrow was canceled so they somehow fell down a spot uh well, they played kind the, of a tight game last week. That's that's going to be the reasoning is that they they nearly lost. Yeah, but Cincinnati's the only one of the only undefeated teams remaining, and if there's any year for a Group of Five team to get in, this would be the year, and it would be the Cincinnati team. You mean mm-hmm. to tell me that Cincinnati is ranked below Iowa State, Florida, and Georgia? Credit to those teams, Georgia did not look good at some points in the season, but they've, they've stayed the course and they've had a very strong season. But you mean to tell me that Georgia is somehow goes up a spot and Cincinnati drops down? Like that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. This Bearcats team is very good. And it's just show it's another sign of what the fuck are we doing with this committee? What is this playoff format? Why are we only limiting it to four teams? And the fact that that is happening is just, it enrages me. Because it's ridiculous to say that these are the best four teams in the country when you're clearly showing preference to other teams and other conferences. Look at what they did with uh, Ohio State. The Big Ten needs Ohio State in the playoff because that's the only team that has a chance of winning in that conference. We've already seen as Penn State fans, Penn State is uh, – Wait, we don't have a shot? Yeah. Penn State has not has not lived up to expectations. Now, granted, all these teams are dealing with opt-outs, whatever. But at the end of the day, Penn State's still two and five or whatever, and they're going to play Illinois this upcoming weekend to give their seniors a, a send-off, um, assuming they win. Because at this point, no win is really secured. But whatever. Northwestern is very good, but they lost that game to Michigan State. Indiana was extremely talented, but. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. suffered in a season-ending injury. And then Iowa has been very good, but they lost two games coming out of the gate, and they couldn't really get their footing until they lost two, and then they finally went on a winning streak. 
So Ohio State, the Big Ten is just so – all these committees are so money-driven. They're so greedy, and it's getting to a point where it's infuriating and you're costing kids a chance at getting exposure, national exposure on a championship stage where they can make huge money. They could jump up draft mock boards and make up – make tens of millions of dollars increase. And it's infuriating to me, and it's also just uh, mitigating the – the importance and the significance of it. Like a team like Coastal Carolina, they beat BYU. BYU was on two days notice, whatever. But BYU said any team, anytime, anywhere. But they still lost to Coastal Carolina. This is another team that still hasn't lost a game. And for some reason, they're not ranked inside the top 10. And it just drives me fucking nuts because it's insane to me that this is this is happening and this is how we're ranking teams when it's purely just money grabs and just money driven and like, okay, let's get all of our SEC. Let's get all of our Big Ten. Like, I think that's the only reason Iowa State is this close to the playoff. They've been – they're a Big 12 team. They have at least one loss. It's not like they're the most dominant team in in the uh, college football landscape. But you can't tell me that Cincinnati – and Coastal Carolina, who's 11-0, Cincinnati's 8-0. You can't tell me that these teams are ranked below because then what the hell is the point of winning these games? What is the point? That's that's just – that's my whole rant. It just doesn't make any sense, and I just really want expansion. Just give us fucking expansion so that these teams can actually compete and have a chance to win. <sighs> I think you touched on it all, man. I don't even know if I need to do anything else now. But um, you just asked to your point. Iowa State, two losses. Florida, two losses. They're 6-7. and seven. Georgia got blown out by Florida. We've seen them look terrible at points this year. Granted, they've played better recently, but those teams being ranked ahead of Cincinnati really just doesn't make any sense to me. I know Cincinnati did come close to losing the UCF. I still think that Cincinnati, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt, and it really has become a money grab. It's still, you know, shows like first take can break down these games and game day and everything they can have that they're all the ACC teams in there and all the teams that will drive up, you know, money and get, get eyeballs to the set. That's really what their main goal is this year, especially in this COVID world. But um, it's definitely, it's something needs to change. 100%. I would, I wouldn't, I think the schedule is definitely a money grab. I obviously they're trying to do that when they're making these big, obviously when you have college football, it's based on rivalries, Ohio state, Michigan, that got canceled this year, Army, Navy, some of the biggest rivalries in sports happen in college football. And I think college game day isn't necessarily a money grab because Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, all those guys, they definitely love college football. It's not like they don't love it. The problem is that the playoff and the athletic directors and the people who are making these decisions and ranking these teams, A, don't want to compromise and expand the playoff format and actually like, would get more viewers if they expanded and just fucking compromised instead of like actually just staying to the old format and trying to see if that would actually work or not. And then you have just, they're trying so hard to get all these conferences represented so that their fans keep pouring in money that it's insane. You mean to tell me that Oklahoma who is seven and two Spencer Rattler is, has been a major disappointment this entire season for the most part is ranked number 10 and BYU drops to 17. I mean, granted, they moved, up a, they moved up a spot from 16 to 17 or from 18 to 17, I should say. But BYU has been a tough team all year. And the fact that they fell from nine to 18 or whatever it was, and then they just moved up a spot and they're 10 and one, they're 10 and one. Grant, whatever you can say about their competition they face, 
they faced Carolina, Coastal Carolina, and gave them a game on two days notice. Coastal Carolina, yeah, two days notice, and they lost at the one yard line. I watched that whole game. Zach Wilson drove them right down the field, threw the ball over the middle, tackled them with the one yard line in front of them getting in the end zone. They're one yard away from being 11 and up. It's insane. It's insane to me. And it just, it waters down the value of these rankings. It waters down. Because then if I'm a coach, what the fuck is the point of me telling my team, hey, let's go out and win this game and position ourselves for a good ranking? Because clearly if I'm going to Coastal Carolina, BYU, Louisiana, who's ranked number 19, what the fuck is the point of us playing if we're not going to make it to the playoff? And that doesn't happen. You don't get that energy and that spark until you expand that playoff to, to eight, to 16, whatever it is, you got to open that up because then the top four is just, eight. okay, who, who, who from ACC and the SEC is going to make it. And then maybe the big 10 makes a spot. And then we'll, yeah, we'll give the big 12 a chance because we always throw Texas in the top 10 for some fucking reason. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll see if the PAC 12 can do anything. We'll keep an eye on them. But other than that, we're just, we're just focusing on the big, power five conferences that just doesn't make any sense and it absolutely derails the entire fucking integrity of the playoff <sighs> oh, all right well got that off my chest um you have anything right, to add to... no let's just well, let's get into the conference championships i i, I think that if we leave your rant there with just you ranting we'll, we'll, we'll make a better point a little more concise um hopefully, the first game we want to break down Pac-12, Oregon, and number 13, USC on Friday. We did that. Uh, next yep. one, no, Oklahoma and LS or not LSU, sorry, uh, Iowa State. It looks like LSU on this rundown. I was like, wait, no, what? I know. Uh, it, looking back, I did. I should have typed in Iowa State because that definitely looks like a capital L. Uh, but, yeah. You're good. Oh, I'm just, I saw LSU beat Florida last week. Maybe anything's possible now. <laughs> I can't believe Florida's still like seventh after all that. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma and uh, Iowa State, 12 o'clock. Who you got in that game? I'm going to go. I uh, It's it's the Big 12. I mean, it's, it's so hard to predict. But I think Iowa State has all the momentum rolling. They haven't lost since they faced Oklahoma State uh, like multiple weeks ago. They're on a was a five game winning streak coming into this game. Spencer Rattler has looked like Eli Manning committing almost every turnover that you can commit. I don't wow. trust him to lead team to like a <laughs> he's just, I've seen Spencer Rattler throw too many like interceptions, too costly interceptions. He's fumbled. It it doesn't give me the most confidence and I have to go Iowa State and I think they're the Cyclones are at a point where if they win this game and we're going to get into the Notre Dame Clemson game, but if Notre Dame loses, Iowa state could sneak into the playoff. And I think that's going to be a huge game to watch and not many people value because it's a big 12, but I really like uh, as much as what I said before may drive some people to believe that I don't like Iowa state. I do like Iowa state as a team. Um, and I think that Iowa state's going to get the win and Rattlers Rattlers just going to cost Oklahoma and, We'll see. We'll see uh, the the yearly uh, Lincoln Riley chatter to the NFL. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I think Iowa State's going to win this one. How how do you think this one's going to go? I just think it's interesting that Oklahoma's getting five and a half on the road. I mean, like, wait, is this a neutral site uh, game? Yeah, it's a neutral site it's game. It's a neutral site it's, game. All right. Yeah, it's in Arlington, Texas. It's going to be in Jerry World. Uh, so, 
So it'll Man, be a fun I don't one. know. Oklahoma's always good in these games. Um, they're getting five and a half, which is kind of odd though, still because I think this this screams three point spread to me. I think they're very even teams. Um, and I just want to take the. I'm gonna take Oklahoma. I'm just. Uh, it's. I just. I feel like Rattler. He's been bad at times, and he's very inconsistent. But he's also still got a very special. He's special. Very talented player. And uh, sometimes these kids that you know you hype up in the beginning of the season, this special Heisman candidate. This is the next. Kyler, the next Baker, whatever for Oklahoma, uh, they don't have a game where, you know, they break out. And uh, I can see that happening on this stage. You know, he kind of has that kind of moxie about him, a little bit of that it factor. Um, and, you know, Jerry World, like you highlighted, and coming out in a big title game. I don't know. I just It's kind of a gut feeling for me. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. And Brees Hall has been absolutely a dominant running back for the Cyclones team. He's, he's coming up on 1,400 yards rushing, and he has 17 touchdowns on the year which is absolutely nuts, but, and I shouldn't say, but, and, but (laughs) the rushing attack of Iowa state, I think is going to absolutely gash Oklahoma's defense. And this is going to come down to will Rattler be able to lead Oklahoma's offense to either keep pace or stay ahead of this Cyclones offense. And I don't think he's going to be able to uh, do either of those and just ultimately cost them the game. So we're going to see what that, what happens with that game, but, It'll be a good one, and I definitely would hit the over. I think this this will be – no matter what it is, it will be a classic Big 12 shootout, and I'm excited to see how this one goes. But uh, moving on to the Big 10, we talked about Ohio State a little bit, or at least I just yelled about Ohio State pretty much early in the show. Um, in the Big 10 uh, Conference Championship, number 14 Northwestern, number four Ohio State at 12 kickoff, for now, Ohio State is dealing with COVID issues, but this game will continue. Uh, according to SI.com, uh, from Jeff Snook, who is a longtime respected journalist who's written several books about Ohio State, but he doesn't have a current publishing home as of right now. Buckeyes are dealing with COVID news. He said, quote, some bad news leaking from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. At least one very prominent starter on offense and several others have tested positive and will miss Saturday's Big Ten title game against Northwestern. Uh, he said he wouldn't release names. If the games, if the game would have to be canceled, it would not be rescheduled. And Ohio State's hopes for making the college football playoff would be gone most likely. So we're going to see if there are any inactives from Ohio State going into this game. Uh, but for right now, I think Justin Fields makes all the difference in the world. As much as I love Northwestern and they had a bit of a Cinderella run this season, cracking the top 15 for the first time, it feels like a while. Uh, I think Justin Fields is going to do his thing, throw for three touchdowns, run in for like one or two, and then just lead them on a victory. How do you think this is going to go? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Wyatt Davis at all, one of the offensive linemen for Ohio State. He's been playing amazing football. He's kind of, I'm a big mock draft guy, so I'm always looking at the mock draft. And he's been vaulting in them. He's, you know, before he's kind of projected late first, maybe second round type talent. Now he's projected to go middle of the top first round. Uh, hopefully he's not one of the prominent starters that's out for them. He's a big time player. Um, and obviously you mentioned Fields. It's going to be a top five pick in the draft. And one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. One of the best that Ohio State's had in recent years. Uh, so they've got a lot working for them. Northwestern, like you said, really good feel good story. And they've also, you know, if you give them credit, they've played really good football. They're not just doing this by accident, but um, 
usually in the end of the day, Ohio State teams win these games. And uh, you kind of just have to pick the program and the uniform, not even really break it down from an X's and O's standpoint. So I'm going to take Ohio State here. But um, if Northwestern can pull it off, man, that'd be something else because that's actually really making a statement, I feel like, with your program. Like, this, this we're legit. And, uh, that, you know, that'd be a great – that would be a great mark for them. If Northwestern pulls this off, I will lose my shit. Now, I'm not saying I would lose my shit in a bad way that my pick was wrong, but I would lose my shit in a good way because fuck Ohio State as a Penn State fan, first and right. foremost. Uh, but my jur- my journalistic integrity, I don't know if journalistic is a word, but fuck it, just made it up. Uh, I will. I'm, Ohio State's clearly the more talented team. We're going to see. I think COVID is the only thing that could single-handedly derail their season. Uh, because obviously we've seen the college football committee, <laughs> we're willing to scratch your back, but whatever. Uh, and I think Northwestern, if they could, I think that would be a classic underdog story. And I'm low key pulling for them, but objectively Ohio state's, this is Ohio state's game to lose the, the, mm-hmm. there's just no other way around it. But right. so I think we're all, I think we're in agreement there. Uh, moving on ACC, big, big matchup. Number three, Clemson versus number two, Notre Dame at four o'clock kickoff. Uh, by the way, these times are all Eastern Standard Time uh, for our viewers who may be either listening in different parts of the country or, you know, maybe different parts of the world, but Eastern Standard Time is what we're using. Uh, Clemson will actually have Trevor Lawrence. Now, I think most people forget that uh, the last time these two teams faced, Notre Dame won in double overtime, but they didn't, Clemson did not have Trevor Lawrence, which I think is a huge, huge uh, difference maker that most people are forgetting. And I think this is the game where Notre Dame gets exposed as frauds and they will finally drop out of the playoff. I hope, I really, really hope. They're not going to drop out though. I'm still not going to drop out. Ah, uh, don't say that. Uh, they're not, they're not. I think Clemson's going to win by at least two touchdowns or what was that? maybe not at least, but they're going to win by two touchdowns. What was that? What was that one year they played? Who did Notre Dame got into the playoff? Ian Book was still the starter. I think it was his freshman year. So I think it was like two or three years ago. And Notre Dame just got – Yeah, it was like Notre Dame just got the absolute doors blown off of them. And they just got smacked around like a bunch of puppies. It. I think – I really hope that the committee remembers that, but I don't think they will. But – and I hope that they remember that and are like, you know what, maybe not throw Notre Dame in the playoff. Maybe we'll – if Iowa State wins, maybe we'll throw them in there. Maybe if Texas A&M uh, you, yourself, gets, uh, you have to make cases for these small I know, I know. Not I mean, and a- A&M's only playing Tennessee. I think Iowa State has the best chance of jumping into the playoff because they're playing a number 10 Oklahoma team. So it's just – I really I, – uh, I really don't want Notre Dame in the playoff. I really don't. I really don't. It's not so much I'm like Stephen A with Cowboys fans. And oh, it's yeah. not that I yeah. it's not that it's not that I dislike Notre Dame's players or their team. I hate their fans. I hate their fans. Now I have some friends who are Notre Dame fans, and I don't hate him or them, but I hate when they talk about Notre Dame as if it's the greatest thing on the earth. And like it's the they're the best team. And I'm sure there are plenty of college football regions that are like that but Notre Dame it just always feels like it's a little bit more than most <laughs> and, make, make uh, sure you're watching the game with them tomorrow because you'll get to see the 
that may end in a fist. That may end in a fist fight. That that may just straight up end in a fist fight. You I don't can't know be that'll be fighting people. You're a Penn State fan. We're what? I'll just I'll just I'll just straight up just just stand up and just fucking Shawn Michaels fucking switch in music that shit. Just fucking drop kick him. Absolute insanity. It would not be good. Um, but I think I don't even know if my dad's a Notre Dame fan. I think he is. I don't hate my dad, obviously. <laughs> but so sometimes good. when they talk about Notre Dame, it's it's ugh. But uh, I think Clemson wins this game. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, it, it's just going to be all over. And I think Clemson, it's, it's, it's going to be down to Clemson and Alabama again. Like, that, let's, just, let's just face facts. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no shot that it's going to come down to who loses first, Clemson or Alabama. Hey, Florida, Florida might stay within two, two touchdowns tonight. Or, sorry, on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be stupid player doesn't launch a shoe down the field again and get a 15 yard penalty and automatic first on third and 10. Did you see that against LSU? No, I did not because it was LSU and LSU. I saw LSU won, but I was like, okay, it's LSU. They had, somehow a, they had a third and third and long. They made a tackle about 10 yards before the marker. So it's fourth down and the Florida player made the tackle, takes the player's shoe off, launches it 15 yards downfield. Just, just cause, and they get a they unfortunately <laughs> conduct penalty, automatic first down. Uh, they kick a field goal, they win the game. Oh my, ah, oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine walking into that locker room and just being the guy responsible for that. And yeah, you got to face your teammates and be like, "Yeah, I fucked up." That that uh, I can't. The even coach kind of defended him. He's like, "It shouldn't have been a penalty or something like that." He said, "Like, oh, that's a penalty, really." You know, for like, because he said he didn't see it, but I don't know. We've seen similar situations in the NBA where like players have lost their shoes, they've fallen off, and players have either chucked it to the sides of the court and they get technicals for that. I, I think that's more of a safety thing than anything. It's not, not safety. nothing. Yeah. Like, like in the, the NBA, in the NBA, in the NBA, they toss the shoe to the side of the court. Like, Demarcus Cousins got a technical for that. Because they, that's in, that's on the court. I don't want to like fall on that and like get injured or something like that. You know? Oh, I, yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, and I thought yeah. you were saying that. Like, I didn't what see they this were play. Doing by throwing the shoe was dangerous. Like they're gonna hurt somebody or something. No, 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 no. I was talking about for the players. They're looking out for their own safety, so they're like, let me get rid of this shoe that somehow yeah, ended up right. on the field or the court. But I didn't see the play, so I have no idea. That does. That sounds like a boneheaded move and definitely deserves. Some some criticism. I don't know as a coach how you can defend that, but then again, I haven't seen the play, so I have no idea. But getting back to this ACC championship game, how how does Notre Dame win this game if there's any chance at all? The same way the same way that you try to beat the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and them, uh, you try to keep them off the field. You try to run the ball down their throats, control the time of possession, and uh, just get stops on third down. That's really the only formula to beating powerhouse teams like that. I don't see it happening, but yeah. if they're going to do it. You Notre Dame's got to have the ball. Shit, I mean, you know, four, 40 minutes out of the 60 probably. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, you, you got to keep Trevor Lawrence off the field. You got to keep Travis Etienne off the field. And you got to just hope that you can convert all your third downs and keep them from converting their third downs and really just make it a game in the margins. I don't see it happening, but that's that's probably what, you know, that they're preaching there is just, Let's try to control it. Let's try to keep our defense off the field, even though it's been pretty good. And because um, mm-hmm. that, that's that's usually the big quarterback in the offense is going to beat the defense eventually. If you give them enough chances, it's the same thing in 
all sports really you know if you, if you give the big hitter you give the big you know the big player like a Steph Curry or whatever you know a bunch of shots and you know they let them linger in the game they're going to beat you at some point uh, so it's the same thing with Notre Dame they just have to try to not let Trevor Lawrence beat them which is very hard to do you got to let anything else beat them yeah, yeah. can't turn the ball I... over if that's another thing Ian Book cannot turn the ball over you can't give Clemson good field position at all because that's pretty much an easy seven points with how efficient they are in the red zone and stuff like that so I think this will come down to offense and how Ian Book manages this game. He's got to be able to convert on third down, like you said. Uh, and you said it also, turnovers. Can't can't shoot yourself in the foot and take unnecessary risks. Or uh, if you are going to take a risk, put it in a place that only your receiver can get it and not an interception. Um, it's And Notre Dame's defense, how they're going to be able to stop them, stop Clemson's offense and get – get the offense off the field will be key. And I, I'm going to be looking at Ian Book. This is going to be his most scrutinized game of his career. And this is going to be the game that may make or break his career and see if he'll actually slide into some draft boards. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think Clemson's is going to absolutely annihilate annihilate Notre Dame. And would be surprised if this was like 20 or 30 point plus win. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh Moving on, got some other conference championship games to get to. SEC, uh, number one, Alabama versus number seven, Florida at eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, do you see Florida winning this game? If so, is uh, how? how <laughs> no, just how? No. I see my boy Devontae Smith, future New York football giant, baby. I see him going off. No uh, shot he ends up on the Giants. No, what do you mean, no shot. shot. If the Giants don't win no. the division, we're going to have a top 12 pick, and he's probably going to be in that 10 to 12 range. And you do realize that the Eagles are going to be in front of the Giants. The Eagles will take the wrong player. They'll take Waddle, or they'll take they'll take you know. I'd be completely Jalen Waddle. No, I'll Waddle's take... awesome too. Waddle's awesome too, but I think Devontae Smith's better. I think Devontae Smith's better than Jamar Chase too. Oh my! Okay, okay. I think uh, he's the best wide receiver in college football. Mark it down right now. Remember th- this year. Look at it now. Justin Jefferson's the best. Last year, you would have said Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. Those guys went ahead of him. It's not always about who is, you know, the the, the sexiest name. Hey, at right the now. at the at the end of the day, the Eagles should take a wide receiver nonetheless. And I'm going to get into my Eagles later on. But if I have a choice between Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, I'm happy with either of those picks. The problem is when you take fucking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. That's where my issue is. But that's a whole nother separate discussion. Well, yeah, Aguilar uh, is like pretty good now, right? For the Raiders. He's yeah, because he decided to actually try. He actually decided to try. He decided to give effort for his quarterback and actually try and catch some passes. Congratulations, Nelson Aguilar. Congratulations. You found a place to actually try. But anyway, back to this Florida and Alabama game. I think this is completely one sided. Nick Saban's going to do his thing. Devontae Smith's going to run wild. Najee Harris is going to run for a couple touchdowns. And Mac Jones is just going to absolutely make his case for possibly a late case Heisman selection, but we're going to see about that. I think he does deserve to be in that conversation and would not be surprised to see him in there. Uh, I, for Heisman right now, I don't know how you like, it's almost tough to call because I feel like there are multiple quarterbacks who could win and make their cases, but Mac Jones has just been unbelievable. And I think he's top two uh, candidates so far in this season. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he's going to absolutely turn up against Florida and just absolutely thrash and tear apart that defense uh, of Florida. 
And it's going to come down to for, for Florida, how that Kyle Trask to Kyle Pitts connection works. And if it doesn't work, can the secondary receivers step up and actually make some plays when they need them to? So we're, we're both in agreement, though. It's going to be pretty one-sided, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, oh, Jim, breaking news, Jeremy Lin is signing with the Warriors. That's big news right there. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Breaking our first news on the Black and Blue Big, big breaking first news. Who who tweeted that out or put it out? Uh, Shams, Shams Terrania. Also, uh, Wode says that Harden will be traded sooner rather than later. The Rockets prefer to trade him sooner rather than later. So, uh, I, I don't really, think I really don't, I really don't, don't think come. The mother Harden looks like a cheesesteak. He looks like he just went ham at like chicken and Pete's and just didn't do anything, which, how do you, how did he, how he went into that press conference and was like, I was training in Atlanta or whatever. Like if you were training and came back looking like that picture that you saw, I, I'm sure you saw the picture there. Yeah, what is like that Rick training? What, ready, yeah. Like, what is that? What is that picture? What is that? What is, what training method is that? I've never heard of that training method. So I, I don't buy – yeah, honestly, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, we'll see. I, I, I honestly want Harden out of Houston, not in, not in Philly. Get away. I don't, I don't want him. Well, why not? I Ben Simmons for Harden. Ben Simmons, Bible, and three firsts. That is such a bad trade. That is such a bad trade. That is such a Miami Heat fan trade that it just doesn't make any sense. Why would I give up Ben – why would anyone give up Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybulle, who is our best defender, well, outside I'm of Joel? Than ben Simmons, and will be for at least four more years. On both sides of the ball, Harden's a better defender than people give him credit for. That's, that's I kind agree of with of that. Narrative. I agree. I agree with that. But it's who are you going to? Why would I? Why would I want James <laughs> Harden, who dribbles, who dribbles for twenty seconds? Maybe he involves Joel Embiid in some pick and rolls. Maybe, and then what do you he's mean, just gonna maybe? Throw... you see him with Christian Wood yesterday. He hit set him up like six times in pick and rolls. It was the easiest two Harden points. Harden doesn't give a second. shit. Harden doesn't. He doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. He's just like, yeah, I don't have to score. All right, yeah, I'll throw up this lob and see what happens. He's he's had some bad plays where he looks like he's giving no effort at all, and I don't want that. I don't want that in Philly. Because if he comes into Philly and we eventually get fans in the arena, he's going to get booed out of the arena if he p- tries to pull that shit here. That's just not that's not going to fly. And Ben Simmons is such an athletic, younger. Uh, he's better. De- he's much better defensively. All right. What, what and, about Embiid? What about Embiid and uh, for Harden? I wouldn't do that either. Because then you're taking the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands, and that doesn't make any sense. Because then you're going to throw him in the power forward spot and run pick and rolls with Simmons. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. And then it reduces Seth Curry and Danny Green's roles because they're more the. You just the, hear yourself. You just say you don't want to take Harden because it reduces Seth Curry and Danny Green's roles. Yes, if I'm trying to maximize their potential, wow. what is that? How how is taking James Harden? Let's let's assume. Okay, let's assume Sixers don't give up Thibault. They don't give any up up with their role players. It's just. Simmons, a couple of first-round picks for Harden. You bring in Harden. It's going to be Danny Green, Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and then who are you going to throw into that fourth spot? Dwight Howard? 
Like Tobias Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You forgot. Okay. That, that's bad. That Tobias Harris is a max player, and you forgot that he's on your team. <laughs> I mean, I was... that's literally. Okay, well, his contract is the uh... – I, th- I, I think Tobias is going to be very good because Doc Rivers uh, put him in the best positions to really have some of his career best averages before he got traded to Philly. And I think Doc Rivers is really going to help him out in that, that way. But theoretically, if James Harden comes into to Philly, it's not going to be any different than what it was in Houston outside of having taller guys on your team. It's just, it's not going to be any different. And in the East, maybe you'll get to the second round. Maybe you'll get to the conference finals. But other than that, I don't see that team going to the finals. I think with Simmons running and running and making plays and getting the ball out to shooters and Seth Curry and Danny Green and Tobias, this team will be much more efficient. I think this team is ready to compete and not even ready to compete. They should be ready to just put all the doubts away and get everyone to shut up and just absolutely annihilate defenses and just shut down on both ends. It's just not Harden just doesn't make any fucking sense. And I want Sixers fans to realize if he comes here, he's going to be dribbling the ball for 20 seconds, maybe give it to Joel Embiid in the last five or 10 and then they'll throw up a bad shot. It's not going to be any different. It's not going to be any different. And we're just going to be more frustrated. And then we're going to blame Doc Rivers. And then Doc Rivers is going to get fired after he signed a five-year fucking contract. And then it's like, we're back to square one. Um, as a Miami Heat fan, I would be a lot more afraid of the Sixers if they had Harden than Simmons. Personal thing. Because right now, I think we'd beat you in a playoff series. And I think the Celtics would beat you in a playoff series. And I think the Nets would probably be you in a playoff series. I don't know about Milwaukee. We all know what happens with them. You guys match up well with them. But I think those three teams would beat the Sixers because currently constructed in a playoff series if they started tomorrow. If you get Harden, I think you can come out of the East. If, mm, again, Brooklyn, we're going to – I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie will be – if they're fully healthy, I think that that team is a top three seed. Milwaukee, we match up pretty well. It's going to come down to that Drew Holiday – who Drew Holiday matches up with uh, on our side. Um, I think Miami, you guys are going to be in for like a rude awakening because you guys caught a lot of people by surprise and the bubble mm. environment worked to your advantage. Credit to Pat Riley it's and that organization. Thing. There's no fans. Why do you, it's, it's really the same thing. You're not locked in a hotel. Because, but because no-, no matter what, because now teams know you guys are a finals caliber team. And now they're going to be keying in on you guys. They're going to be keying in on Tyler Hero. They're going to be keying in on Jimmy Butler. How can we get the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands? How can we force Duncan Robinson to take bad shots? Bam Adebayo's health is in question now after that shoulder injury uh, in the playoffs. Goran Dragic, we're going to see how he holds up the rest of the way. You guys didn't really make any additions. You lost Jay Crowder. You signed Bam. To your credit, three you their, signed Bam. Three of their four best players are young players who are going to get better, or you'd expect to. But get Tyler better. Hero was struggling. Like he was struggling to get time and find his rhythm up until that finals. bubble. Up until the bubble, he did. No, he, he struggled in that season. He was like, no, he didn't. I watched all the Heat games during the regular season. He was good. He averaged like fourteen a game. He came off the bench and he was scoring plenty. Either way. No matter what, Miami was a team that took a lot of people by surprise. No one thought that they were going to do anything. So now when you have a full offseason with coaches to key in on you guys, it's going to be a different story. I don't buy it. I don't buy it's it. Go- okay. Okay. They got the, the best coach in the league on their side. It's Bolstra. 
that's just that's just cap. That's just such cap. He is not the best Who's coach that? in the league. Yes, he is. He is no not debate. the best coach. He's not. The, he's the, one of the most consistent coaches. I don't. He's not the best. He is not the Who's best. The best then. The only other guy you can make an argument for is Nick Nurse. That's, that's it. I would say Nick Nurse. Steve Kerr is a great coach. That team. Okay, he's very good. Yeah, but he's also had insane amount of talent. And we, we got if if the Warriors make the finals this year, then we'll put him back in the best coach. But right now, I don't even know if they're going to win a playoff series. So I don't really want to go there yet. Yeah, because Steph is basically trying to be a one-man wrecking crew. And, okay, and, and the Spolstra literally developed Duncan Robinson and Bam. Bam was a mid-first-round pick. Hero was a mid-first-round pick. Granted, good talent. Duncan Robinson was dug off off the streets. It was a Butler one-man show. That's what everybody said before that. How did this turn final. into a basketball episode? How did this – we need to get back to football. Anyway, that's a whole the, separate The discussion. viewers want NBA. That's what they want. No. The NBA doesn't start until next fucking week. We're covering we're covering college football. Tol- wait, wait, are, we are we done with college football? Can we be done with that? Can no, we, we have we have Cincinnati. We have Cincinnati. Number twenty three. Tulsa. Win. They'll be Tulsa. They're gonna be. They're gonna win. They'll okay. show the, us why they shouldn't have been moved out. Okay. Desmond, Fair enough. Desmond will, will, will ball out. I agree with that. Um, NFL. A lot of NFL reactions in week fourteen. Starting with the NFC East, uh, we're going to go to Washington because then we'll, we'll do Washington first. They're looking like the clear-cut favorites in the NFC East right now. Uh, they won 23-15 to 15 against San Francisco. Chase Young ran a fumble back or an interception back for a touchdown. He just looked like an absolute freak. Uh, San Francisco continues to struggle. So far, without Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and some other we- weapons on both sides of the ball, does Washington win this division? As much as as much as I prefer them not to, because uh, about a week ago I was saying I want the Giants to win the division. I think they will. They they don't have the tiebreaker with the Giants, which is interesting if the Giants could somehow tie them. But I mean, we've seen Jones is banged up and Bradbury's on the COVID list. We got Cleveland this week. We're probably going to lose. Uh, Cleveland coming off the loss, they're going to want to you know want to win that game. Uh, and I just I don't know. Giants have a harder schedule. Washington's played even better than they have as of late. Uh, obviously, we laid a night against Arizona, and I don't really see Philly getting back into the mix. I know they had a good win against New Orleans, but I don't know. I think would I think Philly would pretty much have, they'd have to beat Arizona this week, and they'd have to beat Washington in Week 17 uh, to have a chance for that to happen. Dallas is out. I don't want to talk about Dallas, but yeah, they're definitely the clear-cut favorite. Chase Young is a monster. Um, San Francisco is also terrible. I watched a lot of that game. Nick Mullins, they're batting balls down at the line of scrimmage. Montez Sweat, uh, Deron Payne, everybody else on that front seven were just batting balls down and getting pressure whenever they wanted. You know, San Francisco couldn't block. They've got a very good front seven, don't get me wrong, but I think they've also played some, some – they've caught some teams at the right time. You know, San Francisco – injury-prone team. They really just haven't had their stride. You know, I think other teams in the division played them when they were a little bit stronger. All out Philly, all out the Giants. Um, so Washington's definitely had some breaks go their way, but they're also the best team right now. I don't think you can really watch. I don't think you can really debate any other team right now. Yeah. I think Chase Young <laughs> has been a real culture changer for that team. Now they've had first-round picks all over that defensive line. But I think Chase Young has really made the difference coming from Ohio State. And Ron Rivera has definitely made a difference in changing that culture around. Uh, Shout-out to uh, President Jason Wright. He's also been a huge uh, culture changer there. And I think this is a team that's very dangerous on the defensive side of the ball. It's just going to be a matter of will the offensive side 
be able to hold up their end of the bargain and be able to score into the thirties, into the, like into that thirties range, because I think that's what they're going to have to do to really prove themselves. This defense is great, but kind of like the Chicago bears a little bit, I think they got to prove themselves on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball, excuse me, uh, in order to prove themselves as real uh, threats in the playoffs. I'm not going to say they're contenders, but just to prove themselves as threats in the playoffs. And I think Alex Smith will do that. I think he's a great quarterback. And I think this offense will eventually start hitting its stride as we get uh, closer towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. And I think they, they are going to win the division. Uh, and the NFC East has been on kind of a tear. And I think people need to realize that the NFC East is waking up a little bit. It was just scheduling, scheduling in the beginning of the season that really hurt this division and really what made the record seem look so bad and the teams weren't as bad as the records uh, appeared to be. So moving on, my Philadelphia Eagles got a win for a while, for the first time in a while. Jalen Hurts finally takes over. He shines, goes 17 for 30, throws for over 200 uh, passing yards and rushes for over 100 uh, yards. As much as people want to say this was a great, great first start for Jalen Hurts, I think it was a very good start. But we won 24 to 21. We had a uh, 17-point halftime lead, and the offense just stalled out in the second half, and the defense came up huge and made some key stops uh, down the stretch, which really got this win. I think people have to remember that. This wasn't all smooth sailing. This offense still stalled out. Like, this this is still a real threat. And at the end of the day, I think, I think Carson Wentz, I think him getting benched the rest of the season will be a good – break from the mental pressure of having to make every single play downfield. And I think he will bounce back next season. It's way too early to say that he's done in Philly or it's time to trade him now. I, I think it's way, 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 way too early for that. And I think it's just a matter of getting his mind right into the off season and going into the season refreshed. And maybe, maybe an offensive system change is needed, whether that's here or I said on the Pat McAfee show, Pittsburgh, uh, I think Pittsburgh would be an intriguing option to kind of have that successor to Roethlisberger at the very best. And at the very worst, he's a bridge quarterback for when you eventually do draft a successor. So I, I think that there's still some concerns for the Eagles. Uh, but in, at the end, it's still a win and they won ugly and it's better than it's better to win ugly than lose pretty. So <laughs> I can't complain much, but there are still some concerns of mine as an Eagles fan. Uh, what did you see in this game? I, I I just want to address your point about Wentz. I don't think that this is – I still don't think this is a good idea. If you're benching him for the rest of the season and then saying he's our starter next year, to me that just makes no sense because then you're kind of just jerking Jalen Hurts around, especially if Jalen Hurts – I mean, uh, hypothetical. Imagine he goes 4-0. Eagles end the season, you know, they win these next three games. He looks great. At, the, at that point, what – you know, how, how are you telling Wentz he's getting his job back? That's kind of what my concern is. But at the same time, I think that Hurts played a good game. I think the Eagles got a little bit of a uh, you know, breath of fresh air having him in there, extending some plays on third down, hitting receivers when they're open, which Wentz wasn't even doing, um, and you know, hit it, and making throws beyond his first read too. So I think it was definitely a breath of fresh air. With Wentz, um, I, I don't really see that too many suitors that make a lot of sense. I brought up Detroit for you for Stafford. I'm not proposing Stafford anymore, but if they just decide to move on from Stafford and Stafford goes to an India or Pittsburgh per se, 
uh, or maybe it's San Francisco, Atlanta, any other team that could be in the market for a quarterback, New England, uh, and Detroit has an opening. They want to take on kind of a reclamation project. They could do once. At the same time, I'm not sure why they'd want to take on somebody with equal salary who hasn't, you know, been a part of that city for a decade, who wasn't their drafted guy, and you know, has kind of, you know, faded out in a bigger city than than theirs. So I, I don't know if that would make a lot of sense for them, but I thought Detroit could be a possible opening. I think we'll have to wait until, you know, when the season ends, if we start seeing some leaks that Philly's going to try to move him and then you start seeing, you know, what teams could have interest in him. Uh, Cause right now it's really just pure speculation. So I don't, I don't really want to go there, but um, also I think Taysom Hill was just figured out in that Eagles game. I mean, I think that you guys, granted yeah. it's a good defense, but I think you guys just kind of expected what was going to happen most of the time. Granted, he, make, he made a couple good throws, you know, to Jared Cook that touchdown pass and um, the one to Sanders as well was a good throw. But uh, I think Breeze coming back for them this week is going to be huge because they could really use a you know a guy who can make throws in the pocket, get Michael Thomas more involved, get Kamara more involved in the checkdowns type game, and uh, kind of expand him as a pass catcher too. Yeah, I think Taysom Hill definitely got a little bit figured out, and Jim Schwartz, credit to him, has really gotten this defense to play very well uh, the last couple of weeks, last few weeks. My thing with Detroit is that they don't necessarily have any more appealing assets to me unless we got it like a first round draft pick for Wentz. Um, I would much rather see get not saying that the Steelers would do this, but I would much rather get a wide receiver if they do decide to move on from Deontay Johnson, a, a Chase Claypool. I would much rather see that than a, a pick from Detroit that probably isn't going to materialize at some point. Uh I, I agree with you that I think we do have to look in the offseason, especially with the cap. It's definitely going to go down. It's just a matter of how much and what teams are going to be willing to cut some st their star players that they believe are overpaid. Um, so I think it'll be a matter of how far, how much uh, movement there is in the offseason. But I think it's way too early. I'm sticking with my guns here. It's way too early to bench Wentz and uh, – it's going to be interesting to see how they do handle this situation, but it's, it's still way too fucking early. And it's just going to be a matter of, Hey, do we either go in with both quarterbacks or do and make this a competition or do we give it back to Wentz and say, Hertz, just wait your time, still develop, do what you got to do. And I, it kind of terrifies me as an Eagles fan because this could end up blowing up in their face. And I just, I, uh, it's just such a mess. Uh, but I, I would still much rather see one succeed in Philly at, at the end of the day. So we're going to see how that goes. But uh, moving on, some other big uh, noticeable results. Sticking in the NFC East, the Giants lost to the Cardinals. Pretty pretty convincing fashion, 26-7. to seven. Danny Dimes looked pretty bad, not going to lie. The rushing attack wasn't very good. And the Cardinals bounced back, but I think they were pretenders, not contenders. Uh, what did you think about this game from a Giants fan perspective? I'll keep it short and simple. Giants were flat. Giants didn't protect. Giants didn't get stops on third down. Uh, the defense wasn't as you know, shut down as it was against Seattle. Uh, Jones did not look comfortable in the pocket. He wasn't as mobile as he used to be. He couldn't extend plays. And uh, we just didn't get any push in the run game. We did everything that a losing team does. We deserve to lose. At the same time, I don't think the Cardinals did anything that great. Uh, you know, I think they made some plays when they had to. Dan Arnold had a big touchdown catch on third down that kind of took the wind out of the Giants' sails, if you want uh, to say that way. But um, 
I still think the Cardinals are pretenders too. I don't really, I didn't come away from that game thinking, oh, wow, this team's back. You know, Tyler made a couple throws. He made a couple plays with his legs. Giants weren't good and they won. And, you know, that's what they should be doing because they're a decent team. Even decent teams win those games pretty easily. Um, but I still don't think that they're a threat really. I think, you know, you, they, they'll probably get in now just because Minnesota lost and they've got a pretty easy schedule. And I think they'll probably find a way to get that seventh spot, but they're going to, they're going to get beaten by, Green Bay or New Orleans, you know, whatever team they end up playing. No, yeah, definitely. I think if the Giants do sneak into the playoffs, it's not going to be a very good result for them. Uh, but, yeah, they're just – I can't even try and justify anything. There there just wasn't anything good from this, this game. The offensive line did not play well at all. They allowed six sacks. Granted, some of them were – Jones's fault, but uh, at the end of the day, the offensive line has to play better, and it's been a, a concern for Giants for the Giants for the last like five years or whatever. So it's definitely not a good sign. But at the end of the day, I think this is a still a very tough team. It was just a little bit of an off game. And as for the Cardinals, I don't think they're necessarily a playoff team. They're a 500 team. We talked about this last week. Uh, they're a 500 team, not right now. They're not in the playoffs or Super Bowl contenders. I think they still need to shore up some of that defense, especially on the, the front line and uh, some some of the secondary, because I think you do have to eventually start looking at replacements for Patrick Peterson. Um, he's not the all-pro all level cornerback that we're used to seeing. But at the end of the day, this team's still in a pretty good spot. Could be a lot worse. And I think they, they still have some positive things to – talk about moving forward uh moving on one of the other bigger games which was more surprising than people thought it would be uh kansas city won at miami 33 to 27 i mean honestly i think kansas city is just playing with the rest of the league do you think this game is just another sign that this is kansas city super bowl to lose yeah 100 percent. i mean it was uh i want to say Kansas City was down two, two, two possessions, whatever it was. Mahomes looked terrible, and everybody's writing them off, saying they're going to lose and whatever. And they come out, and they put up 21 points, and I think it was five minutes. And you just see stuff like that, and you're like, okay, nobody's beating them. It reminds me of the Warriors in their prime. When you thought you had them beat, you thought you had step on an off night, and they would just find a way to win. This is just what Kansas City is going to do. they got too much firepower. They've got the best tight end in football. They've got one of the best wide receivers in football. They've got a rookie running back who can make a lot of plays. They've got other receivers who are fast that can spread the field. And there's just a lot that they can do. And they also have the best quarterback in the league playing for them too. And one of the best coaches. So, yeah, they're, they're playing with the rest of the league. This game was – Miami had it in the beginning. And then Kansas City went on a huge run. And really, Miami wasn't in it. It was 33-20. to 20. They had a late touchdown kind of in garbage time to make it look a little bit more respectable. But – you're still talking about, you know, that game was 13 points, you know, before that, that garbage time touchdown. You look, you look at a 13-point spread with a team like Miami, you're going to be like, what? No, no way. But Kansas City was literally could have covered that uh, at one point, and that just shows you kind of how dominant that they are. And uh, I really just don't see anybody beating that. I think we're talking about all these other teams in a fight for second place because I just, there's no team that has as much firepower and has proved it like Kansas City has. They went and did it last year, and I think they're even stronger this year. So, Yeah. Uh, I think this Miami team has potential and has shown glimpses, but Kansas City, this is this is their championship to lose, and they're just 
hitting their stride right now and they're just firing on all cylinders and no one can stop them. The only, only the chiefs can stop the chiefs in my opinion. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this score is just very deceiving. It was, it was not as close as the scoreboard may say. And at the end of the day, this, this is Kansas city's league and we're just, we're just living in it. (laughs) We're just watching it uh, at this point, but moving on to the Monday night game, uh, Baltimore somehow wins 47 to 42 at Cleveland. Lamar Jackson, everyone thought he was taking a shit. Turns out he was actually just cramping, uh, according to multiple teammates. Uh, honestly, Lamar pretty much showed me that he's improving. Yo, I got breaking news. Okay. It's important for us. It's not sports news. It's important for us, though. Uh, Penn oh. State has delayed the start of the spring semester in person until February 15th fuck from january 19th so we were supposed to go back january 19th we're now going back february 15th it could change so we might not even be fucking back dude damn all right i don't want to interrupt you but i thought that was pretty important i just got an email from eric Barron on my phone so i was like i got no no i i saw that email too uh that's what editing is for um oh baltimore cleveland so I, yeah. in my opinion, so Lamar showed me pretty much everything that he needed to show me. He made that incredible play to Marquise Brown uh, to deliver the game-winning touchdown. Baker Mayfield looked incredible. He looked like the franchise quarterback that Cleveland wants him to be. And Kareem Hunt, I think people forgot this guy was explosive weapon with the Chiefs. And people, he had that incident where a video was filmed of him uh, kicking a woman and and that's, that's obviously inexcusable, and the Chiefs immediately cut him, and it looked like his career was over, and then he got to Cleveland. I think he's reminded everyone why he's, he was one of the best backs in the league. Uh, and at, honestly, Cleveland's just looking incredible. They're not looking like the typical Cleveland Browns. So what did you think of either Baker Mayfield's performance or Lamar's performance or just these two teams overall? I think that was the game of the year, first of all. That game was so fun to watch, and it had everything that you wanted in a big football game. Division rivalry, there's fans in the stadium. Uh, it was kind of a cold night in Cleveland, kind of that crappy Cleveland December weather, and uh, those, those quarterbacks played tremendous games. I mean, I, I admittedly, I know you're a big Baker guy. I've admittedly kind of been eh on him, you know, throughout the years. That was the best game I think I've seen him play besides, you know, that Tennessee game the week before, but I didn't admittedly watch that game start to finish. I watched this Browns Ravens game start to finish and he made really every play that he had to besides that one interception where the linebacker kind of showed blitz and he dropped back into coverage, picked it off with one hand. It still wasn't a terrible throw, uh, but he did make one mistake there. But besides that one mistake, he was perfect in the game. Uh, But the other guy on the other side was even a little bit better. I guess Lamar coming out like Superman uh, on that fourth down or whatever it was, or third down making that throw. I think it was fourth. Was it fourth down to Marquise Brown that touchdown? Yeah, it was fourth. It was like fourth and five. And he came out of the locker room and Lewis Riddick and Steve Levy made some, some bad Superman references. But besides yeah. that, yeah. besides that, Lamar pretty much came in and saved the season. Yeah, he got flushed out of the pocket, threw against his body, made a great throw. Uh, Marquise Brown finally caught a ball downfield. He's had a really bad season. Um, I'm not a Lamar top three type guy. I know a lot of people like to put him in the Mahomes category, so even though you know, Rodgers, Wilson. I think he's a little bit below the Watson kind of tier. I think he's in that like five to eight range in terms of quarterbacks. 
Um, mm. But that's still, you know, still fantastic. You know, most teams would take him over their guy to be quarterbacking their teams, and he played a tremendous game. Uh, came back when he had to, obviously, from the locker room, cramping up or whatever that was. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think the big takeaway, the two big takeaways from that game are that those two teams are probably the two biggest threats to Kansas City besides mm-hmm. Buffalo. I mean, they probably are. I don't know, because, like, I'm looking at the AFC, and it's Kansas City 1, Buffalo 2. Then after that, I think you've got Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland, those four teams. Ooh. You can kind of put in any order. I would have Cleveland above Tennessee. No, 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 that's not in order. That's not in order. You, those uh, four teams are in any order. So you got KC 1, that's in 10. Then you got Buffalo 2 and Pencil. And then you got yeah. those four teams. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think that you have to take away that those two teams have just as good of a chance as Pittsburgh does to beat Mm -hmm. Kansas City in the playoffs. I actually think maybe even a little bit better of a chance because, like I said earlier about Notre Dame and uh, Clemson, in order to beat those powerhouse teams with, you know, the big quarterback and the big offense is explosive and, you know, it's just going to dominate you if you give them the ball too much is you need to be able to run the ball. And uh, you saw Tennessee hanging that game last year against Kansas City just because of Derrick Henry being able to pound the ground and keep Kansas City off the field. Now, eventually, Kansas City is going to beat them in the end. That's probably what's going to happen this year. But if you're talking yep. about teams that can put a little bit of fear into them and take them to the third quarter where the game's close and, um, you know, they haven't beaten themselves yet, I think Cleveland's right there. I mean, you know, you look at what Hunt and Chubb can do and you look at Baker, you know, on you know first and second down, put him into play action. Don't let him beat you, but let him just kind of, Dink and dunk and, you know, five-yard completion here, seven-yard completion of Landry, tight end gets open, whatever. That's kind of how Cleveland's been thriving offensively. Um, and I think that's the only way you can kind of be a Kansas City-type team is control the time possession. Don't turn the ball over, run the ball down their throats. And uh, Cleveland poses that threat. So I got that out of the game. I think this is much a much different Cleveland team than we've seen in years past. This is a Cleveland team that you have to take seriously. You can't just look at the jersey. You can't just look at the franchise. You have to look at the personnel that they have and the way they're being coached, and that's mm-hmm. a very good team. So I was impressed with them. I was impressed with Baltimore. I don't necessarily think Baltimore is back to 2019 Ravens, but I think that might be just as dangerous. They've got most of the same players on the team, and uh, they're starting to hit their stride at the right time. That was a big win for them. They've got an easy schedule. They could win these last three games. They can go into the playoffs with a four-game winning streak or whatever it is, five-game winning streak. And uh, at that point, you really do have to take them seriously. And if I'm Kansas City, I wouldn't want to play them either. I'd rather play uh, Tennessee or Indianapolis or even Pittsburgh uh, than a team like that. Yeah, I totally agree that Cleveland, you got to look at the personnel. It's not just the old, same old, same old uh, miserable Cleveland Browns uh, franchise that we're used to. And this, I think Cleveland is the most dangerous threat to uh, Kansas City and Buffalo for the AFC representation in the Super Bowl. Their rushing attack is very good. Their offensive line, they did a great job of tweaking that offensive line and improving it to give Baker Mayfield much more protection than he had last season. And this defense is still very good. Denzel Ward is one of the top cornerbacks uh, in the league, and he wasn't even playing in this game. And it they just have talent on both sides of the ball that you can't help but marvel at. And I think Buffalo and Kansas city have to keep an eye out for Cleveland because they're definitely going to be a threat moving forward and definitely a threat in the playoffs. If they, these teams do ever meet. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, Week 15. We're going to get into week 15. Now 
Uh, Chargers Raiders kicked off last night. Uh, Chargers won 30 to 27 in overtime. Marcus Mariota, of all people, came in, replaced Derek Carr, uh, and actually had some very good dimes. But in the end, Justin Herbert led the Chargers down the field and won in overtime. Really, this was more about the Raiders than the Chargers because the Raiders are the only team. Well, we're in the playoff chase. We're going to see. I think they're going to start fading out of the playoff chase now. Does Mariota start over Derek Carr the rest of the way? Or do you think Derek Carr still has his still has his job on lock? I think Derek Carr is going to start. But Mariota was really impressive. He came into the game and, you know, he made that third down throw to, I think it was Waller, um, you know, where he, he got flushed out of the pocket and they had two guys in his face and he kind of threw a touch pass to Waller. I was like, wow, that's something Carr probably even couldn't do. And then you look at the throw that he made to, I want to, who, who caught, was it Waller on the touchdown pass too? Where he, it was third down and he beat the cornerback. I think it was Waller and he dropped it in perfectly. Oh yeah. Dropped field. it in that. That was, that was, oh, that was, he just dropped it in that bucket. That was, one yeah, of the best throws I've ever seen throw. from him. Yeah, and now and he and he had that obviously that touchdown run uh, where he wasn't going to be denied. He went through two defenders. I think really, if you want to be encouraged by anything, if you're a Raiders fan, is that you have a backup who's probably on his best day, just as good as Carr is, and that could maybe convince you into not paying Derek Carr again. And you know, then you can kind of allocate your funds differently, and you know, really build a team around Mariota and that rushing attack. Uh, in Josh Jacobs, too. I think there's a path to that. But in terms of the Raiders this year, they're shot. You know, they're 7-7. They're, seven and seven. they're not making the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, and so now I think, you know, if you want to test Marietta, you can. But I don't know what you're getting from it, unless you unless you really think you can be your franchise guy. Yeah, I think at this point, Mariota has – he's a very good quality backup, but I don't think he can be the full-time starter. Uh, I – his arm still has question marks for me. We're going to see Derek Hart did, uh, went out of the game with a groin injury early. We're going to see if that affects them going into next weekend. Uh, but at this point, it's too early to tell. Uh, I just don't think Marriott is the starter long-term. I think Derek Carr still had one of his best years. Uh, he just got to find that consistency. And I think a second or third year in John Gruden's offense helped him out tremendously. And it can only go up. I think he, his his trajectory steadily climbing and i think he's proving himself as the franchise quarterback uh later on so we're going to see how how that goes uh moving on hang on we're just going to take a break so looking at this weekend slate we have mostly pretty poor quality games on paper but we're going to see how they turn out uh we're going to go through these pretty quickly because we're pretty much on the same page for most of these Denver at, at, or excuse me, Denver hosting Buffalo uh, on Saturday. We have two Saturday games, uh, 4.30 kickoff. Buffalo goes into Denver. Drew Locke versus Josh Allen. I think we're both in agreement. Buffalo here? Yeah, yeah, Buffalo. They, they, that was a very good game that they played against Pittsburgh. They're not going to come out and lay an egg after that. They'll win. Yeah. Uh, Carolina at Green Bay at 8.15. I think Green Bay is just rolling on all – all facets of their game. Uh, we're both in agreement here at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually, I was going to pick them as a gentleman's bet, but I think you already have it. So, <laughs> uh, Hey, you got to be quicker than that. Um, Sunday slate, Buff, or Buffalo, Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Uh, Tampa Bay is coming off a pretty good win uh, against Minnesota. 
I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one. How about you? I think Tampa is going to win um, just because Atlanta's pass defense is so terrible, and I think Brady could have a big field day on it. They got a win last week, going to give them a little bit more momentum uh, going into it. So, yeah, I, I think they'll win. I think Atlanta's kind of just playing for pride a little bit right now in this draft position. I, Julio Jones is out, too, already. So, mm-hmm. the way you're going to beat the Bucs is by throwing downfield on them. They're losing their best downfield threat. So, yeah, I'll, say, I'll take Tampa. Uh, San Francisco at Dallas. I think Dallas is going to win this game because San Francisco is just struggling on offense. Me too. I have Dallas plus three is actually one of my gentlemen. So. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, another 1 p.m. Detroit at Tennessee. I think Tennessee is just going to steamroll them. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> Houston at Indianapolis. Indianapolis, in my opinion, is one of the best or more complete teams in the AFC. Uh, I think Indianapolis is going to win this one pretty handedly unless Deshaun Watson can pull off some heroics. How do you see this game going? Same way. I've got, I've got Houston. This is a typical Philip Rivers letdown game. This is a typical Philip Rivers letdown game. I got Ooh. Houston plus seven and a half. Yep. Dang. So I forgot to write that one down too, but uh, Houston could have won the last time they played, but Watson fumbled in the red zone and um, or it was either in his own territory in the red zone. I forget. But it led to a cold touchdown, his fumble, and he was really broken up about it. He's going to come out with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to play a terrific game. Yeah. Uh, I just – I understand what you're saying, and I kind of agree with it. But I think Indianapolis – I think Phillip Rivers is hitting his stride a little bit. Had had a couple of touchdowns at T.Y. Hilton. Just, just when become... you think that is when he has bad games. <laughs> I almost picked him up in fantasy, but I'm like, no, he does this every year. He See, I think I think Frank I think Frank continues it now. I think Frank Reich is the difference maker, and I think this Indianapolis defense is for real, and I think that's going to be two key differences than some of those old San Diego teams that Rivers was with uh, in his career prior. Uh, so I think Indianapolis is going to win this one and continue to ten and four and start building their case as one of the the better AFC teams. Uh, so I think Indianapolis wins this one pretty handedly. Uh, I've actually got a just... pillow right here that I'm balanced. I'm keeping this computer on. <laughs> We're talking about it. Yeah, I'm not a Colts fan. I'm not a Colts fan. But, no, uh, I'm. I, I'm, a, I'm I will admit I'm a Colts fan. Uh, just because I'm a huge uh, Johnny Unitas guy, uh, and a huge Peyton Manning guy. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like Denver like that, like because yeah. Peyton Manning more than India yeah. actually. But but I'm I'm happy Philip Rivers is actually getting a chance to contend. Uh, he definitely deserves that. I just wish Antonio Gates could have been signed <laughs> along the way, giving him a chance. So, but, you know, it's whatever. Uh, 1 p.m. AFC East matchup, struggling Patriots go into Miami. I think Miami is going to win this one handily and defeat Bill Belichick in what feels like the first time in a while. But they had that Miami miracle finish a couple of years ago. So this game could actually end in a pretty close. What do you think this is going to go? I'm, I'm... Man, I'm changing it. I'm going to England. I was really Ooh. on Miami until I realized that it's a rookie quarterback against Belichick, and I just watched Justin Herbert lose 45 nothing to Bill Belichick. That's true. That and is Herbert's a good awesome. point. And uh, also Mike Kosecki's out, and their run game is terrible. So I don't know how they're going to – it's going to come down to Tua making plays. You know what? Yeah, you may have changed my mind. So I think yeah. I'm going to go to England. I, New England I think I'm going to have – yeah, I think I'm going to have to go New England. I think that's a good bet. I would have to go New England, too. I think that rookie quarterback matchup, I 
I did not think about that. Uh, that was a good point that you brought up. I, that will be tough. Mike Gusecki being there definitely hurts at Miami. Miami's defense is very good, but I think Cam Newton is going to be able to uh, do very well and just thrive. But I don't, I don't know. This is actually a close game. I'm going to go New England because fuck it, all faith in Belichick to get things right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get back to 500 and then this is what gets them rolling or something like that towards the end of the season. But we're going to see. Uh, NFC North matchup also at 1 p.m. Chicago at Minnesota. I'm going to take Chicago in this one. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Minnesota coming off a loss. I think they need to win it more than Chicago does. But this game is – they're very even teams. They're both bad and disguised as good. But six and seven records, are ter- like they're not terrible, but they're both bad teams. If you just watch them on a week-to-week basis, I've paid a decent amount of attention to them. The one thing mm-hmm. Chicago is going for them that you could use is that David Montgomery is looking really good and you could run down Minnesota's throats. Um, Minnesota's banged up too. But I think that – I think Cousins – Will make enough plays for them to win just because like he's always eight and eight it's just kind of a thing i feel like just like he's gonna get to eight and eight and i think they need to win this game to get to eight and eight so i'll take minnesota but there's no real rationale from an x's nose standpoint it's just kind of uh, yeah it's kind of the uniform <laughs> um i think chicago's defense will step up in this game and i'm not sold on minnesota's offense dalvin cook is a beast don't get me wrong about that but I need to see more from Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson has been good, but I need to see more from Kirk Cousins to be able to put my faith in it, in the Vikings to actually win. So I'm going to take Chicago in this one. And if I get, we're just going to ride with MVP Mitch all the way and just see how this goes, probably end in a train wreck, but wouldn't be Chicago Bears season if there weren't some train wrecks involved. Um, moving on, big NFC matchup, Seattle at Washington. This is a huge game uh, for Washington's divisional race uh, and really would help them establish a firm grasp on the division crown. Uh, Do you see Seattle somehow losing this game? Because they've already lost to the Giants earlier in the season uh, with Colt McCoy quarterback, and that defense really just hasn't been very good. Do you think Washington gets the win, or do you think Seattle, Russ, is just going to work his magic? Well, I don't know if Alex Smith's going to play. He didn't practice yesterday, so we're taping this on a Friday. He did not practice Thursday. I'm not sure if he's practicing today yet. I'll have to get a read on that, but I'm going to take Seattle anyway. I think Washington, just like the Giants, is due for a bad week. You know, we've gotten really high on them, and we've seen them win some impressive games, and I think they're just going to come back down to earth a little bit. We still got to remember this isn't, you know, a top-tier team. They've got a very good front seven, and they've done enough to move the ball offensively. Alex Smith's a good game manager for them won't really hurt them. He won't lose the game for them, which is what they've kind of needed at the quarterback spot. Um, if he doesn't play, I think it's a big blow. But at the same time, I think Seattle's really chasing for the division title still. They want to make that mm-hmm. last Ram game, you know, very meaningful. And I think if they lose this game and the Rams win this week against the Jets, which you'd expect them to, you could pretty much say the season's over for Seattle. Or sorry, not the season, but the division race is over for them. They'd be a five or six seed in that scenario. Um, yeah. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Seattle. I think they realize that they have to win this game to kind of keep the pressure on the Rams and see if they can get a home game. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Seattle. I I think Russ is going to do his damage and just sling it all over the field. But it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I think Dwayne Haskins, if he gets the start, is going to be fired up and ready to, ready to go, ready to establish himself as the potential starter long term. Uh, and I just I don't know. 
I'm just not sold on Washington's offense. Like I am with a lot of teams. I'm just not sold. And at this point in the season, Seattle's hungry. Like you said, they want to put pressure on the Rams. So I think they're going to want to win this game at all costs. And Pete Carroll's going to want to take more risks. So I think this game is going to favor Seattle uh, in the end. So I'm going to go Seattle. Uh, four o'clock in the 405 window. Uh, Eagles go to Arizona to face the Cardinals. I as much as an Eagles fan, as much as I would love to say, the Eagles will win this game. I think Kyler Murray is just gonna run all over this defense, and DeAndre Hopkins is, is gonna moss Darius Slay, unfortunately, uh, and it's just gonna end very poorly. And I probably will turn it off by halftime. But how do you see this game going? <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm starting Jalen Hurts in fantasy, so. <laughs> you may or, huh? No, you probably won't. I, don't I, I, I might be riding the Jalen Hurts train a little bit too much with that. I don't know. He's got the running potential. Uh, I'll take Arizona to win. I'll take Philly to compete. How about that? Eh, I, I can't get mad at that. I can't get mad. Um. I just, uh, just just put me out of my misery and just end this eagle season that's all i want it's all i want um but the season must go on unfortunately uh 405 oh wait no we missed sorry missed a one o'clock game jacksonville at baltimore uh, ba- baltimore. yeah baltimore. baltimore if baltimore loses that game i made it to rethink my entire football knowledge that's that yeah. doesn't that shouldn't make any sense uh Next 405 game, Jets at Rams. Rams win this one. Can't wait for this one. Rams win this one, right? Yeah, I've got Robert Woods in fantasy, too. He better score me at least 15 points. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think Rams win this one, and Jets just continue their march to misery, and they continue tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, 425, Kansas City at New Orleans, one of the biggest games of the year. Drew Brees uh, is believed to be starter, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Uh, he is healthy and cleared by doctors to start this week. I'm going to go Kansas City because I don't think Seattle or Seattle, the Saints offense is going to be firing on all cylinders when Drew Brees comes back. He just got designated to return from practice like earlier this week. Um, and I should be a little bit rusty. And I just. Kansas City is just rolling on – just absolutely firing on all cylinders. I don't see them losing this game. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Kansas City is going to win. It's going to be close, though, because the Saints defense will keep them in it. They're coming off a loss. I think they're going to be fired up. I just think Mahomes will make plays when he has to in the fourth quarter. This will come down to a Mahomes drive in the last six minutes. But he'll make a play. Tyreek Hill will make a play. Kelsey will make a play, and they'll do what the Chiefs do. You think this is going to come down to a last-minute drive? Not last minute. Last six minutes. Like it's going to oh. be. I think it's going to. What's going to be a close? You think it's going to be a close game, nonetheless? It will be. It will be a four-point within a four-point game within the last six minutes, and the Chiefs will put it out of reach with a late touchdown. I just, I just have a feeling this is a game that's going to be really hyped up, like that earlier game. Uh, that earlier New Orleans uh, Tampa Bay game, it's gonna be really hyped, hyped up, and then Kansas City is just gonna come out and stomp on New Orleans and just absolutely annihilate them, <laughs> and just kill, kill uh, CBS's ratings. But um, 
Yeah, I hope it's a close game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to work his magic and just flick of the wrist, chuck it 70 yards to Kelsey for a couple touchdowns and just hit the ground running and never look back. Uh, but wrapping up Sunday slate, Sunday night game, big headliner, Cleveland at the Giants at New York. I was excited for this, man, but now Colt McCoy's starting. <laughs> In 2020, only the Giants and the Browns could be flexed into Sunday Night Football, and San Francisco and Dallas could be flexed out of Sunday Night Football. Only in 2020 could that happen. Uh, I think Cleveland wins this game uh, pretty convincingly. I think it'll be double digits, but give me your take as a Giants fan. Man, I was so excited for this game, but Jana Jones isn't playing most likely. So Colt McCoy is probably going to get the start. James Bradbury is on the COVID list. He's not playing. And Darnay Holmes, our slot cornerback, is not playing, most likely. So, mm-hmm. granted, I don't really fear Cleveland's weapons that much, but we're, we're going to be without two of our best defensive backs and our starting quarterback. It's a lot to ask for from a team that's not that talented to begin with. They're well coached, and they scheme well, and their defense will fight, and they'll keep them in the game. But I just don't know how we're going to make plays when we need to in the fourth quarter. We don't have a playmaker on offense with Barkley being out and with no number one wide receiver and with Evan Ingram being completely untrustworthy. And our offensive line looked bad last week. And Cleveland is coming off a loss. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to want to win. Beckham is going to get them fired up for this game. You know what? He's going to be out on the sideline or whatever going crazy. It's, it's, it's going to be or on Twitter if he's not, he's not allowed to be at the game. I don't know. I just think Cleveland's going to beat us. I, I, I hope it's close. <laughs> I could see it being close, but I think Cleveland will win in the end. It'll probably by a touchdown. Yeah, I think Cleveland's just got this game locked up, and they're going to move on to 10-4. and four. And I think they could catch Pittsburgh for the AFC North title, and that's a storyline that I think. If I, they beat Baltimore, I would have, but now I don't. Uh, well, believe in Baker, baby. I believe in Baker. Believe in Baker. Let's go. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati is our Monday night game this week. Pittsburgh's going to win this one. Uh, You know the NFL is counting on Joe Burrow to be active for this game going into this season, but unfortunately, due to his uh, season-ending knee injury, he won't be. Uh, I think Pittsburgh wins this game. Do you see any chance that Cincinnati wins this one? No, this is one of their two wins I'm penciling in. I think Pittsburgh is going to win two of these division games. Um, they're going to get a little bit hot, sort of. They're going to look a little bit better, give us a little bit more confidence in them going into the playoffs than we have right now. Um, I think they're just due for a big week, and Cincinnati's kind of the team. Like, uh, hey, we're playing Cincinnati. You know, let's get our confidence up. <laughs> That's kind of what it's going to, the message is going to be. Uh, so I think you'll see Juju have a nice game. Uh, and Deontay Johnson, maybe he'll catch the ball for once. And, you know, maybe they'll get a – couple good positive runs in the run game and Roethlisberger will look good and we'll feel all better about them. But I still think they're kind of contenders. I think Pittsburgh is more than – I think they're definitely in the top three for contenders. I don't think the sky is falling like most people are going on about on some of these sports networks. They're still – they still have a great chance to get into the AFC championship game. Mike Tomlin's still a great head coach. Roethlisberger is a veteran uh, with playoff experience. So long-term, the, the Steelers are, at least for this season, looking at the playoffs ahead, the Steelers still look like a very good team. They're, the sky isn't falling just because they lost the last couple of games. I think losing their early bye week uh, really hurt them, and they're just fatigued and just running on fumes at this point. And 
I, I don't think the sky is falling like most people, most people are saying or predicting, but anyway, those wraps up, those wrap up our picks, getting to our gentlemen's wagers for the weekend, our weekly uh, games that we like to pick. We pick three games that we think are locks for this weekend. Uh, for my picks, I have green Bay minus seven and a half Chicago plus three and a half and Buffalo minus six. Noah, what are your picks? So I've got Cleveland plus six and a half with the Giants. Or sorry, minus six and a half to the Giants. Oh, my bad. I think they'll win by a touchdown. I've got Dallas plus three against San Francisco. I've got Houston plus seven and a half against the Colts. And lastly, I've got Clemson minus ten against the Notre Dame. Fighting Ooh, Bears. betting on some college action. I like it. I like it. I know you like to pick, too. <laughs> of course. Uh, Fraud Dame lives on. Um, and that wraps up our weekly predictions for uh, the Black and Blue Pod. I am your host, Matthew Blockman, with Noah Broderick. Thank you all for listening. You could have tuned in to anything else. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and catch us later next weekend when we make our predictions for next weekend's slate. See you all soon. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, Your subscription and follows mean just as much as you actually playing the episode. Uh, Thanks again for listening um, and I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully you enjoyed this one. So 